Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Hey, what's going on, guys? We've got a special guest today. His name is Jimmy Rex. He's the founder and CEO of the We Are The They coaching program and social movement. He's also the host of the top-rated podcast, The Jimmy Rex Show, and author of the best-selling book, You End Up Where You're Heading. But his life is so much more than that. He is a real estate expert, having sold over 2,500 homes in his career. Jimmy owns over 30 real estate properties himself, hosts weekly mastermind calls, discussing all things real estate, top real estate mentors in the country. He's once referred to as the most interesting man in real estate. Jimmy can be hard to explain to strangers. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's been involved in investor in over 20 companies and 32 restaurants. Um, he's also down for a new adventure. He's traveled over 95 countries in the past six years. Wow. Um, and he's an adrenaline junkie looking to give back and loves giving back, always looking for the next great story, whether it's swimming with tiger sharks, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, running with the bulls, or working undercover to help rescue kids from being sex trafficked. Jimmy's never bored. His mission to share love with all and to show everyone around him how to live an extraordinary life. Jimmy, how are you doing today? It's good, man. It's good to, good day uh, to be alive, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where does your story start? Where does my story start? Oh, man. I- well, you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, I mean, I was the sixth of seven kids. And so you kind of just, you kind of get lost in the shuffle unless you become pretty interesting. And so I was always trying to just you know, get people's attention and and just try to have a fun life or whatever else. And then I, uh, you know, when I was like 21 years old, I kind of started into the uh, business game. I, I started a meat company selling steak and chicken door to door. And I'd served a mission with my church back then uh, for two years in Mexico. So we're, we're, we literally from 19 to 21, I just went door to door every single day and you knock all day. And it's the world's greatest you know, training ground that you could ask for because I was in Mexico. So you literally have to learn a new language. You're with people that you don't know. The whole culture is just a shock. I mean, everything about it was foreign. And and so as a 19 year old to get that experience, just make me that uncomfortable um, was really a, a, a catapulted me. And so when I started in the, you know, meat business going door to door doing that, it was pretty easy. I'm like, I only have to do this for six or seven hours a day, like compared to the 12 hours I was knocking, you know, as a missionary. And so Started doing that and very quickly learned that I was pretty good at it. And uh, I found out how the company ran and I realized that I was paying way more for this steak and chicken than my bosses were. So I started my own thing and started doing chicken and steak door to door and hired a bunch of guys while I was in college. And, uh, you know, I was running freezers. I bought a condo at the college town I lived at and I 
my whole backyard was full of freezers. And then every morning they'd come and load up their chicken and steak and my guys would go out and sell. And, uh, and then this is what we did every single day. And, and so I started kind of doing that. And then I just kind of was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I started a TV show. I, um, you know, started a Christmas light business. I just was doing different things, trying to just have this entrepreneur spirit and eventually found real estate and, you know, started that in 2005. And, uh, I had the gift of about a year and a half. It was just the easiest thing in the world to sell real estate because there was market was so red hot. And so I started doing that. I hired a coach, um, which changed everything. And, uh, you know, my second year as a realtor sold 98 houses. I was wow. one of the two finalists for salesperson of the year on the Salt Lake board of realtors and, and kind of just took off from there. So that's what I did for the next 15 years. Wow. What was the, uh, so you, let's start off with the missionary because most people don't understand what that is. Obviously you're from Utah. Um, and we know about that a little bit, but what was that experience like? It does every, every one of your friends go, do you guys go together? How does that even work? You don't get to pick where you go. So you put your name in that you want to go and then they send you where they want you to end up at. And so you don't know where you're going. You get a you know letter in the mail from the church leaders and it tells you where you're headed. So you decide, you know, in that moment you read it, that's where you're going to spend the next two years. And so mine said Monterey, Mexico, and I'd never heard of the place at the time, but, um, so yeah, so you end up going down there, you spend about two months learning Spanish and kind of getting into missionary mode. And then you, uh, and you head down, you head off. And, um, I mean, you're literally, you know, 24 seven, you're a missionary. You're not allowed to talk to your parents, but twice a year, Mother's Day and Christmas. Um, oh my God. Yeah. 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 And we, on my mission, we weren't allowed to do email until the very end. And so you write a letter and you get a response three and a half months later. Um, you know, that took that long for the mail to go from Mexico to the U.S. pretty wild. But anyway, and so it's just a crazy experience, man. I remember my first house had dirt floors. Um, you know, I got there in the wintertime, which is funny because you think Mexico will be warm, but like the desert, it got so cold at night. And so, you know, your cold showers like that. We were doing yeah. that before it was cool. And uh just kind of running with it, man. And literally all day you just go door to door, knocking on people's doors, hoping to share a message. And we lived on 75 bucks a month. Oh and we actually paid in four hundred dollars a month to be a missionary, and they gave us seventy-five dollars back, you know. But the members of the church would feed us every day and it was crazy experience, man. Like I look back now and so, you know, you get to, you don't talk to your friends for two years. You don't talk to, um, again, yeah. your family, you get to talk to them twice a year, but I mean, you're fully lost in what you're doing. You're out there doing it. And, and that's, you know, it's cool because at first when you get there, you're like, and I'm not even a member of that church anymore, to be honest. But when yeah. I did it, like, I have so much love for my mission because you truly spend all day, every day, simply caring about other people, helping other people, worrying about other people. And when you're doing that, you really grow to love it. Like it's a really beautiful space to be in and just, you're just not worried about yourself. I mean, your basic needs are taken care of. And other than that, you're not doing anything for yourself. You're doing it for the other people. And I think that's why it ends up becoming this really beautiful experience. That's incredible. And when you think about it, most people in that 19 to 21 time are uh, going to college or just taking a lot of steps backwards. I mean, it can be forward progressively, but like there are some steps backwards where you're just, they're learning to be on their own for the first time too. But I think that experience sounds pretty unique in the regard of like really learning who you are and what you want to be. And did you have ideas that while you were there being like, I need to start this meat business. I need to get something off the ground. Like, no, I mean, you know, it taught me that I was good at sales. Like I was one of the highest baptizing. I was probably the highest baptizing missionary out there. Not that that was like the whole thing, but I knew, I knew how to work. I knew how to talk to people. Yeah. I knew how to connect. 
And, you know, and, and, and I really worked hard. And so it was funny. So when I got back, I was like, okay, I know I'm good at selling. I know I'm good at being able to talk to people. So I actually wanted to be like a waiter. I just thought it'd be a fun job to be a server, but because of my beliefs with my religion, I wouldn't work on Sundays. And so like nobody would hire me. And so I ended up answering all these ads about sales. And I remember I, you know, went to a used car dealership and answered a few other ones. And that's how I found the meat ad. I remember the guy told me, explained it to me, and it was just door to door. I'd been doing that for two years. So I was just completely like, okay. And this was now, you know, especially here in Utah, there's a lot of companies that go door to door. They do these summer sales programs. They sell pest control and solar and um, security systems and stuff. But it was kind of before that became popular. And so I was doing it. And I just honestly was just, I remember my first day I went out, I think I sold in like an hour and a half, I sold all the steak that I had like oh, six, wow. I had like six cases worth. And and I made probably $300, but it changed my whole life because all of a sudden I realized my worst case scenario in life is I'll make six figures selling meat door to door. Cause like when you're a kid, you want to, you know, you want to have money when you're older, you want to be wealthy and stuff, but you don't know how you're going to get there. All of a sudden I had this opportunity that was like, wow, my worst case scenario, I'm going to have a hundred grand a year selling meat door to door. And all of a sudden possibilities just start opening up in my world and in my, my brain really expanded my mind. And so from that day forward, I think I started having bigger and bigger visions of what I wanted my life to be. Yeah. I think that's such a good uh, tidbit that no matter where you're at in this moment, you can always go back to where you're at and people yeah. don't realize that. And they're like, Oh, if I cut the cord, then what, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to most employers? If you go back to them, that you'll have the opportunity again. And knowing that is a really strong way to be like, I, my life can only get better from here. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that was the power of it. It was just like, oh, wow, this is my worst case, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And then you start getting into real estate. And where, where did it, what was that experience like? Because I know that's a little different than door to door. That's, you got to yeah, build the quite, relationship. I mean, I originally just got in because, you know, I was interested in investing in real estate. I'd been told that yeah. was a good way to make money. And so I started listening to these CDs on tape back then, like Carlton Sheets and, um, you know, Robert Allen, No Money Down and just yeah. all shit that's not even around anymore. But and I was like, okay, I want to get into real estate. And I got my license. And I remember I was like, I had a few deals kind of fall in my lap. My first six months though, as a realtor, I only sold like three or four houses. It really wasn't going that well. I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, and I found a flyer for the top real estate coach in the country. It's a guy named Mike Ferry. He's a legend in the real estate agent space. And I just went to his seminar. And by day three, they gave us these homework assignments that we were supposed to do. And by day three, I signed up and threw my hat over the fence. And um, I ended up, uh, because of his coaching my next six months, again, my first six months, I sold like three or four homes. My next six months, I ended the year with like 60 sales. And so I, you know, won all these awards. I was 24 years old. Everyone's like, holy shit, this kid's, you know, selling like crazy. I'm sure I was annoying as could be. Cause I was like a little hustler, but my next year I sold 98 homes with one assistant, you know, as one of the two finalists for salesperson of the year on the Salt Lake board of realtors. And then from there, I thought I was God's gift to real estate because I was selling so many homes. I was winning all these awards, like money was just coming in like crazy. And then all of a sudden the market turned and yeah. uh, all of a sudden I realized it was not that special. And uh, But the one cool thing was, is because I'd had this coach for the year and a half that I did, I did learn good habits. I was really good at prospecting. Every day from eight to 11, I made my calls. I My one job every day was to make 30 cold calls uh, to for sale by owners. And I was excellent at it. I did it every day. I didn't miss. And uh, because of that, even in the hard times, 2007, 8, 9, I was still the number one agent in the office. I was still, you know, it's funny because I was making a couple hundred grand a year, but I was also spending a couple hundred grand a year. I mean, I was basically breaking even, but I was able to survive it. Um, 
And then once uh, the market started to turn, I really, what made a difference in my game is I was a little bit earlier than anyone else on the investing game. And I started finding really good deals on investment firms. I mean, you could pick up properties back then. You're talking about a real estate deal that, you know, you're buying a house for 140 grand that rents out for 1500 a month. And your payment oh, wow. was like six, 700 bucks. They were everywhere, but nobody was buying them because everyone was just terrified of real estate, but these yeah. deals were everywhere. And so I just, you know, really started taking advantage of that. And so I think in 2000, um, you know, 10, 11, I started selling a lot of investors, probably sold 75 homes a year again. And then um, in 2013, I started working with a hedge fund that was buying up a lot of homes and sold almost 200 homes that year. And that just, from there, it kind of just oh, took so off that again. Partner, I got you. So originally it was the prospecting and building up that habit, which uh, it's incredible how a coach can distinguish you. So such a minor distinction, three days, it can change the whole trajectory of everything. For you sure. You just never look at it that way. Um, yeah, we'll, it was... It was, it was crazy though. And it's like, you know, I was just always evolving. I same same thing. Like, and then I started really getting into the, um, the space of social media and started really pushing that. And that started getting a lot of my clients from that and doing client parties and all these other things. But anyway. No, it's, it's awesome because you start to realize that it's all the same thing. It's just a different avenue of prospecting. And like you connect with one hedge fund, they have tons of deals that they're looking for. It's the same idea. It's you build Yeah, we sold them about 90 homes in three months. And I actually set up an entire team. We would go door to door and find people that were willing to sell their house. That's how we got all the deals. Because they already had an agent they were working with with all the MLS stuff and the auction stuff. But they didn't have anyone going door to door. So I said, hey, if I can find homes that fit your criteria and people that are willing to sell, will you sell it? And they said, sure. And so we literally were just going door to door and buying up all these houses. It was pretty crazy. Wow. That's like making an opportunity out of nothing. It and was, yeah. See that. Yeah. Um, so for you, was this your main focus? Like, were you traveling at this point yet in life? Like, Not you- yet. So what happened with that? So in 2014, I had a buddy, his name was Eric Hill. And he was just an interesting guy. And I've always been attracted to just people that are characters, just different people. You know, I just, I get bored easy. And I like to, I like to be around people that are just doing things their way. I'm very attracted to that. I'm, I feel like I'm that way. And, um, and this dude, Eric, he, uh, he had a goal. He was going to be the, he was going to go to every country in the world, the quickest amount of time to do it. And I think that year he'd been to 57 countries in like six months. He was well on his way to doing it. And then he actually was in a paragliding accident and died. And when he died, he was also a contestant on the bachelorette at the same time. Like dude was just a crazy dude. And, uh, and we, you know, he started this hashtag live like Eric, but it was weird because like when he died, there was almost like a beauty to his life that overcame the sadness because this dude truly was just living. It was like, yeah, he might've died at 32 or whatever he was, but he lived more in his 30 something years than most people live in a lifetime. And I remember thinking like, gosh, like I I need to start. I'd been only working. I'd just been grinding, you know, and I would go on little trips for like sporting events or I'd go on, you know, like networking trips and stuff like that. But I wasn't like truly doing a whole lot of things. And I had always kind of wanted to be a traveler. And so I said, you know, what? I'm just gonna make it a priority and start going. And so I did. I started booking these trips. Sometimes I'd go by myself. Sometimes I'd go with friends. Sometimes I'd go with the girl I was dating. Sometimes I'd go with a charity group, whatever. And I just started going all over the world. And uh, yeah. And so now I've, you know, in, so since 2014, I've been to 95 countries. Now I just got back from Qatar for the world cup and Saudi Arabia, um, went to Saudi Arabia and uh, uh, Bahrain while we were over there as well. 
Yeah, and guys, this is someone you have to follow on Instagram because I'm watching it, and they're going to Iceland, and then two days later, he's like, yeah, I surprised my friend. We're going to Qatar, and I'm like, who <laughs> is this guy? So yeah. you definitely check. It's Mr. Jimmy Rex, right? Yeah, that's my Instagram, and all the other stuff that I do, I post through there. So my events, whenever I'm speaking, um, my coaching program stuff, my podcast, I post all that through my Instagram. So that's probably the best place to find me, yeah. Absolutely. So what was um so you make this priority what does that mean like are you booking trips like three months out are you booking them like right away is it impromptu because a lot of people struggle with this concept of i can get a flight and i can just move it or i can just stick to it or it's whatever it is how how did you make it happen yeah i mean i tried to do it strategically as a real estate agent because obviously i got to be aware with my clients you know and so i'd find excuses like so for example um you know, I worked with a charity group. They were going to Haiti, for example, or, um, you know, the world cup was in Brazil in 2014. So that was one of the first trips I did. Me and some buddies went to that. Um, and then I started just going, you know, I started just literally put a vision board up. I said, where are the places in the world I want to go? And it was like, I want to go see the pyramids. I want to go to, uh, Halong Bay in Vietnam. I want to go to, uh, you know, Petra and Jordan. I want to go to Israel. I want to go to, uh, a safari in Africa, and I just start booking them, man. I just would like pick a time. I was like, okay. And then I'd, you know, ask around friends or whatever. I was like, who wants to go? And if I was ever dating a girl, I was like, hey, let's go do a fun trip between Christmas and New Year's. I did a couple of those where we hit like five or six countries and um and just started going and doing it. And then, you know, every year, every summer, I try to do one trip by myself where I just get to spend the time with me. And um, so, you know, like last year I flew into Croatia, rented a car drove through nine countries, you know, went to Albania, Montenegro, uh, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bosnia, uh, Bolivia or Bulgaria, um, Romania, just go to all these different places. And it's really kind of nice. Uh, you know, I always say that if, if you can learn to fall in love with yourself, you never spend a day without someone you love. And it's, you know, I think I really enjoy my own company and so I can go and just do me and have a good time. So I actually like, you know, like when I went to Machu Picchu, for example, I always yeah. wanted to go and I had a buddy that was going to go with me and he kind of bailed with like a week left. And so I went and then I flew to Colombia for a day and a half. And then I flew and met up with 40 friends that were in Panama. So I just planned it around my friends being in Panama, but I booked the days in front of it so I could hit a few other countries, just like stuff like that. Absolutely. And what do you think of Machu Picchu? Did you hike the Inca trail or that? One? I didn't hike the trail. No, I did the bus up to the top, but um, incredible. I mean, it's, there's a few places in the world I've ever been that just have a different energy to them. Um, and Machu Picchu is definitely one of them. I mean, you can tell that is a sacred place. Um, I would say Israel has that. I would say, uh, or at least Jerusalem, not the whole country, but Jerusalem yeah. for sure. Um, I would say Angkor Wat in uh, Cambodia has that. Um, just a couple of places that you're just like, wow, like there's something special here. And um, it's just different. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny because there's three spots you named. I've actually been to all three of them. Oh, nice. Uh, we hiked the Inca trail uh, probably a year and a half ago. It was weird during COVID. Did you travel that much during COVID? Dude, I actually did pretty good. All things considering in the year 2000, um, I actually ended up hitting uh, like 11 new countries, which was more than anyone else I knew. <laughs> during COVID. Yeah, because well, after COVID hit, sorry. So I was at 69 countries when COVID hit, I think, and I'm at 95 now. So, but I just oh made it a God. point. I mean, you know, it was actually 
there was a few countries that kind of sucked. You couldn't leave the resort. Like we went to um, Bolivia for my birthday and um, the, the girl I was dating and it, honestly, we couldn't even leave the resort. It was kind of a pain in the ass. So that yeah. one kind of sucked. Um, Mexico became my favorite place to travel to during the COVID because they let you kind of roam around. And I love, I lived there for two years. So I oh, speak yeah. Spanish and I, you know, I'm fluent in Spanish. And so I, I really enjoy going to Spanish speaking countries. And so Mexico to me is like the best. I love going down there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a really fascinating time with COVID and everything going on. For sure. And then um that's cool. So for you, what is is it like a check the box kind of thing, or is it really stacking these experiences? Cause I I heard you talk about it where uh Tony Robbins talks about it too. It was like the level four experience or the level one experience. Mm-hmm. I've heard you speak about this. And when you dive into that, is that what kind of forces you to go to these different places and make these different because i think it's cool how you combine multiple factors so like with me i have this company edwards consulting and it's mental health physical health community service philanthropy spirituality and relationships cool and when i think about goals and things i'm doing it was like i ran the new york city marathon but i ran it with my brother and we raised eight thousand dollars for a philanthropy and it's like you start stacking these things and you're like wow, that's an incredible experience when you make it. So I'm just curious how you go about stacking these experiences. It seems like you have a wide variety of friends too. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, life's all about experiences. It is, uh, it's the relationships and the experiences. And so for me, um, you know, uh, the, the travel in general has so many benefits to it. Like one of the main things is a, I'm just curious. I just want to see it all. You know, the more that you get to know the universe or the world that we live in, the more you want to take care of it, the, you know, like for me, it's changed my world views by leaning into some of these people and getting to know them differently. Like I remember when I went to Egypt and um, Palestine and stuff and was hanging out with my buddy that I went with and he was from Egypt and uh, you know, you spend up, I mean, I'm from Utah. We don't even have, we barely have minorities. I mean, like I don't, I didn't know a single Muslim person my entire youth, you know? And so like, I always was just saw what I saw in the news and I was afraid of them. And then I go to, you know, Egypt and I spend a couple of days with this guy and his family, 25 Muslim people. And they're the most beautiful family I've ever seen. There's so much love. And, and I'm like, oh, I, why have I been afraid of these people? You know, and all of a sudden just changes your worldview. And then, um, you know, a lot of times I'll get business ideas. I'll get, uh, as I travel the world or I just see a different way to do things. And, um, it really opened my eyes. Um, all these wonderful people, cause Utah can be kind of a bubble. And so I love living here. It's, uh, I, I probably live in the safest street in America. I mean, I, I'll walk past Amazon boxes that are on my porch for a, a, a week, you know, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Nobody's going to take them. Um, and there's a beauty to that. Right. And so I do love Utah, but I also like to leave often and, and just get these worldviews. But and there's a little bit of everything like right now with my coaching program. Um, one of the big things about it is adventure. And I think that, you know, at, at the end of our lives, uh, you know, the quality and quantity of our life that we've lived is going to be proportionate to those great memories that we have. And so the more we can stack big moments and big memories, I just think it gives you a much more fulfilled life. And I, I kind of just want to see it all. I want to do it all. I want to know what's out there. So a lot of the countries I go to, I mean, when you're traveling as much as I am, you don't have time to spend a week in each place, unfortunately, right? Yeah. I can't go move for two months to, you know, to England to find out what it's all about. But, um, you know, I can spend sometimes it's a day and sometimes it's a week or whatever it might be. Like I just got, like I said, I just got back from the world cup in Qatar. And if I'm being honest, two days in Qatar was probably all I needed. Like there's not a whole lot else I needed to do in Qatar. Um, you know, Saudi Arabia, I spent three days there 
And um, I would, I, you know, I remember thinking like, I'll definitely be back. Like there's some things I want to do here, but that was another cool experience is like, you know, we went to their big mosque in Medina yeah. and we didn't even think we were going to be able to enter, but they told us, no, go ahead. And they couldn't have been more welcoming with as far as like, um, it was really cool. Like nobody cared. Like there was 50,000 people at this mosque and not one of them looked at us funny. We didn't get weird energy from anybody. I mean, it was just a beautiful experience. But as you do that, there's just this love for humanity. I think that you get that you can't really get otherwise. And, and so for me, the traveling is the experience is for sure. Number one, like my men's group, we just took 39 of us to Iceland, um, in July, you know, we're going to take 80 of us and go run with the bulls in Spain. Incredible. Like, where do you get to do that? You know what I mean? And so it's just like, it's just a great way to live as much as anything. It's really fun. And really we get these deep, deep connections. Um, it changes you. So that's, I think the reason yeah. why I make it a priority. No, absolutely. I love that. And I, I really realize that what basically you're creating amazing memories. And the way you think about that is, I mean, for anyone to want to create their own is like you think like usually during this time, like today's December 28th. And usually during this week, I think back with my my year and it's like, what's the highlights of the year? And when you think about them, it's never the bar with your friends. It's never hanging out at your house, watching a movie. It's never that it, it's that unique moment where you're like, I really challenged myself and I did something I'm really proud of, whether that's going to a new country, traveling, growing the business, anything that's hard, people are like, I'm really proud of that. So I think that's incredible that with the, we are the, they, what you're doing. Cause I saw it. I saw you guys do the Iceland trip and I was like, wow, like, first of all, that's a lot of movement. That's a lot of, a lot of logistics. And it's just very interesting how you take that dynamic approach. Cause I've been in masterminds before you see them. It's usually that you go to a place for three days and you go back and you're supposed to be rejuvenated or you're supposed to be changed. But this adds a component where it's like, Hey, we're actually all traveling together. And it's not like uh Hey, let's go to a city or let's do this, but it's a very unique experience, which I think, yeah. So Jimmy, what kind of caused you to even create that idea? Yeah. You know, three years ago, uh, three and a half years ago now, I guess, um, I sold the most expensive home ever in Utah. It was 32 and a half million dollars. Um, just obviously a crazy moment for me, right? Yeah, almost a seven figure commission check. And I was the number one realtor in my County. I think I was number one in the state that year. And I was, you know, I was, had this moment where I just realized like, I need to do something else. Like I need to, if I die tomorrow and all I was ever known as is a realtor, like, I think I've, you know, wasted an opportunity here that I have to make a bigger difference and not that being a realtor is a bad thing. I love being a realtor, but it was like, I just was being called to something else, something that would make more impact. And so I started kind of playing with the idea. And what I realized my gift is that I'm really um, good at connecting men at helping men to connect on a deep, deep level and help create very deep friendships. And so as I did that, um, you know, I had the opportunity, I said, you know what, I know exactly how to do this. I'm just going to put it out there. And so I, I knew that, you know, one of the main ways for men to connect is through adventure and travel, but it's a lot of the other stuff that we do that you don't see on social media. That's the real difference maker is, you know, we, um, you know, we really get the three pillars of my program are being vulnerable, authentic, and in integrity. And so our entire purpose is to help men come into integrity. And, uh, and so we do a lot of, we do breath work. We do a lot of meditation. We do, um, you know, we do a cacao ceremony. We do hoppe. We do, I expose them to all these different things to help them get into their soul a little bit more. And then we have these speakers come in and, 
you know, uh, we've just had the most amazing speakers to be able to talk to us. And it's real shit, you know, it's not the surface stuff that, you know, you get at a lot of masterminds. And because of that, the men are willing to go a lot deeper than they ever have. And they'll kind of have this opportunity where they get to really come into integrity and, and they, you know, fix anything they need to in their lives. And it's about becoming a much better version of ourselves. That's really what the whole program is about. And so that's where, you know, it's a two and a half year program that the men sign up for. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously with, you know, people can, the commitment is six months and then they renew or whatever else. But at the end of the day, it's a life, you know, they're trying to create. And it's cool because they end up having all these best friends. You go and you do these experiences together and you have these deep moments. You just get a much deeper connection than you ever thought possible. And and so that's really the the beauty of the whole thing. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is awesome about it is that you brought up vulnerability. A lot of men have to be the provider. They have to support the relationships. They have to always be happy. They have to be able to take care of the kids. And it's this moment where a lot of men, and I've seen this with different men's groups, where they don't take a moment to go, are you okay? Is this something that you need help with? And like, we've all had someone that's like decided that that's not for them. But I just say this for you because I think it's so good that you do these conversations because there is so much angst and things that men keep in and they don't share because it's like, are you a baby? Like, are you, are are you, and there's much, there's many other words that people use for it, but it's like, most people don't have that support group that go, Hey, I'm willing to listen to you. And I want to hear what you have to say. And I think that's pretty, pretty. Incredible. Yeah. I think the way that I say it is, you know, for most men, it's not okay not to be okay. Um, we feel like yeah. we have to, you know, and a lot of times we think like, Oh, if people know I'm not perfect, they're going to reject me or whatever else. It's actually quite the opposite. Um, you know, when we are vulnerable to people and we let them see our humanity, when we let them see that like, Hey, I struggle with some things or like, you know, I'm, my family life's not exactly perfect. All these things, like we all know it already anyway, but like it really humanizes us. And then we're able to work together to actually, you, you realize a, you're not alone because other people then tell you their story and you kind of realize like, Oh, I'm not going through the, I'm not the only person that's dealing with this. And it just really helps you to be able to get to a place where you can actually get healing and, and different things like that. And when, you know, whenever we keep things in the dark, they tend to fester, you know, like mold grows in the dark. And, but if you can bring things to light and you can like in a safe environment where, you know, it's going to remain safe, then you can actually do something about it where you can heal it and work on it. And so that's kind of what we've done is just, my whole job is just to create a container that's safe enough that men want to talk about whatever it is they're going through. You know, we had an event a couple months ago and after a breathwork session, one of the guys got up and and I'm just bawling and just, you know, he talked about, it. he said, Hey, I had a gun to my head yesterday, literally. And he said, you know, in this breathwork session, he, he, long story short, he had, you know, he had convinced his wife five years earlier to get an abortion and then they ended up getting married and um, so they have other kids now, but they aborted this first baby and he's never been able to live with himself. And so that's why he's been suicidal. He's never told a soul this, like besides him and his wife, no one ever even knew. And he's telling the whole room and he's just bawling and, and he got such an outpouring of love and like, he finally, now he like, he saw like, oh my gosh, I'm not this horrible villain. Like I did this thing that, you know, he's not proud of, but at the end of the day, it's like, Hey bro. And you're human. Like, and so he was able to feel nothing but love and support from the group. And all of a sudden, and then he said in that breathwork session, he was able to kind of, I mean, it, it can get pretty deep in those. And he was able to talk to his, um, 
you know, son that was aborted or whatever. And, and basically say like, Hey, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. Like we're good. And he's like, I, I know I'll never have these suicidal thoughts again. And the whole group just loved him and supported him. And I mean, half the room's balling with him, you know, and it was just one of those moments in time. You're just like, I just sit back and I'm looking at this and I'm like, God, oh, this is why I set up this group. This is why I'm doing this. It's, you know, of all the decisions I've made in my life, like of all the bad decisions, all the good decisions, it all led to this perfect moment. And so it's all worth it. And, and here we are having this beautiful life moment. And those are almost happen every time we get together, something like that. And those are the things that really change you and really help you to see the power of just being real and, and being in the moment. Yeah. And uh, from my experience i've realized that if you don't place yourself in an environment like something like this where it's personal development but it's also just being vulnerable but it's also being vulnerable with sometimes just a bunch of strangers you don't even know them because a lot of us feel like we can't be authentic with our friends because they might judge us and i've had situations where you go to these things and this is all people have like, and it's, I I applaud you for leading this charge because it's, first of all, it's not an easy thing, especially with COVID going on. Everyone is struggling and now things are kind of opening up, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with a lot of different people. So how's the group been? Where do you guys see it going? Yeah. So, I mean, I launched it a year ago. Um, the original group had 50 members. Uh, you know, I, I gave myself 30 days to sell out the program cause it's not cheap. Um, but I, I wanted to make sure I had 50 guys. That was the number I wanted to have. I ended up having 147 people apply in eight hours. And I was like, Oh shit, I've stumbled on something here. So I did that original group. Um, but I wanted to have something in place for other people that wanted to be a part of it, but maybe couldn't afford the full membership of the leadership group. Um, so six months later, I opened up a new leadership group, the same same thing and and filled it up again in one day, two days. And, um, and we've grown now the, with the other group, that's, uh, the group that's basically the, um, the general tribe essentially. And so we're at about 250 members now. Um, I've only opened that once since August, we'll open it again, probably mid February. Um, but my goal, you know, I mean, I don't really know. I just want to keep it. Everything is really good. The groups have all never been healthier. The guys are all very much, involved they're thriving in different ways there's plenty of people individually are struggling with different things we're all working together and so um my goal for the by the end of next year i would like to have 2000 people in the program um you know i'm very optimistic uh it's it's been beautiful just watch the growth of everybody but at the end of the day just want to keep it you know um moving the way we are and just keep helping all these different men work through things that they are and um, yeah, man, it's been the gift of my life to be able to have this group and be able to help these guys. But so those are the, my kind of more my numbers goals. But like ultimately, I just want to keep this movement moving, and I want to, you know, I want to get to the national level with it. A lot of the people that know me, it's either through real estate or here in Utah. A lot of people know me with my podcast and everything that I do, um, the Jimmy Rex Show podcast. But outside of Utah, I'm still kind of not as well known. And so I've hired this year as my one-on-one coach, Ed Milet, um, as an example. He's going to coach oh, me wow. this year and with the goal of, you know, helping turn it into a whole national movement and plan. And, and so there's a few things I'm working on that are pretty intense, but yeah, man, I'm really, uh, really going for it this year. And, and I, I, I feel like it's, uh, we got as good a momentum as we've ever had. And one year in, I, I couldn't be happier with it. That's amazing. I love that. Um, another thing for you is I've noticed that you, you're around some of the top people in the world. 
and just in your friendships and your business caring, like all of it. How do you build a strong network for the listeners? How do they think about that? Like, how do you even sell a $32 million home? How do you even get Ed Milet on the phone? How do you speak with Mitt Romney? Like, these are things that are like, how does this even happen? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that I teach the guys in the program, to be honest. I mean, it's a whole thing. But um, ultimately, you know, it boils down to if you want to meet those people, you got to be the kind of person those people want to meet. And so the most important thing you can do is kind of work on yourself. Um, kind of what I teach people is, look, if there's 10 levels to networking, if like number one would be like whatever. Elon Musk, you know, or something like that. Okay. Maybe level two would be like an Ed Milet. Number level six would be like, you know, a college football star in your town and whatever. And yeah. you're like, we all start at the same place, right? You're all just some random Joe. Yeah. And what I tell people is you can get in the room with people that are six, seven, eight levels above you, but you're not really going to have any value proposition for them. And so you're just probably not going to connect on a deeper level. So what you want to do in life is just find people, always be finding people that are doing a little bit more than you and figure out ways to create value for their life. Like that's the whole key to networking. Like truly give everything, expecting nothing in return, but find people that are just doing a little bit more than you and then figure out ways to create value for them. And as you do that, you start to become friends. And then all of a sudden you've gone from level 10 to level eight to seven, five, and you're just meeting, you know, people that are just doing different, bigger things in the universe. People that are, um, you know, um, have, you know, there's a lot of value that they're creating for other people. And and so you end up being part of that. And so that's kind of the, the secret to networking. If I could sum it up in, in two minutes, I guess. What, what are, uh, just a little bit deeper, what are some of the ways that you can build value for people, whether it can be, I'm just curious. Well, and that's part of, yeah. I mean, everybody has, you know, um, something that they need. It's your job to find that. One of the things you don't want to do is ask them, Cause then what that is, is like, you've given them a chore now that they didn't sign up for. Like, I don't want to figure that out for you. I don't know what your skill set is. I have no idea. Like I'll give you an example my podcast studio director. You know, he ran into me at the gym a little over a year ago. And, uh, and he was like, Hey man, I love your podcast. I'd love to get, take you to lunch. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really do lunch. It's just, I'm super busy or whatever. And, and he runs out to his car, comes back with a book. He's like, Hey, is a book that I've been reading. I think you'll like it. Uh, I, 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 you should get this guy on your podcast. I think I can get him on for you. I'm like, thanks man. And so then he adds me on Instagram and he kept hitting me up, hit me up. And, um, and, you know, and he was doing a little things like I'm trying to grow a brand. So when people comment on my posts, they like my posts, they share my posts, stuff like that is that's useful. Right. So he was doing that. So he caught my attention. So I give him 15 minutes to come over and meet with me. And he shows up and the first thing he says, I mean, this is an extreme case, but it's a good example. And he goes, I've saved up enough money for 90 days. I want to work for you for free. At the end of that time, you'll either have to hire me because I'll be out of money or I'll have to leave to go get a job. And I just started laughing. It was just so funny how we presented it. And so I'm like, all right, man, well, like, I don't really have a job for you right now, but I can think of some bullshit things I need done, like cleaning my garage out and stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah. So I just put him to work and he was doing great. So then I needed to paint my podcast studio. He did that. I'm like, shit, this kid's hungry. And so I turned him over to just be learn how to produce my podcast. And then I was like, you know, it'd be nice to have that all paid for. And so I hired him. We set up a podcast studio. We run 20 different podcasts out of my studio now. And it basically oh, wow. pays pays for him and pays for the studio. And, you know, hopefully this year we'll make a profit on it even. And so it's just like, but he, and he's a member of my group now. And he's, he's, you know, he's just really his life's taken off with it. But the point was, is he put himself out there and put himself in this position. Now it can be as simple as like, some people, like if they're a, like for you, for example, it's pretty easy. All right, you have a podcast. So if I was trying to 
gain favor with you, I'd start sharing your podcast. I'd start sending you a couple of my friends that I think would be good guests for your podcast. There's two easy ways I can create a lot of value for you very quickly, right? Um, You said you have a consulting business. So I'd find out more about that and I'd start to share some of your content. I'd start to maybe send you a referral or two of people that would be good for your program. Like it's very easy. I'm a realtor. Like it's one of the easiest things. I have a men's coaching program. So if you refer me, somebody looking to buy or sell a house or you refer me somebody to get into my program, that alone is going to gain a lot of favor with me immediately. Right. Um, And then, you know, like there's loan officers are always trying to get my attention as one of the top realtors. And, you know, for years, I just said no to all of them because I have my loan officer that I use. Well, there was one guy a couple of years ago, I'm a giant Cleveland Indians baseball fan. Like that's my team. And when they made the world series, this dude was smart enough. He called me up. He goes, Hey, I'd love to take you to games one and two in Cleveland. It's a whole thing's on me. Absolutely. And I was already going to go. And I said, look, man, I'll go, but I got to be honest. Like I was going to buy these tickets that are on the front row. Like this is a big deal to me. I want to, you know, and he goes done, let's do it. And so we ended up going to games one and two of the world series. He bought the tickets, bought my flights, the whole thing. And we ended up becoming partners on, you know, we have real estate deals together. Now we've done a lot of um, transactions together. He became my number two loan officer, which for the top realtors, it's still a lot of business that can come your way. And, you know, but he found a way to create value for me. Whereas most people would offer to take me to lunch or take me golf and like stuff that I really don't want to spend the time to do. He found something that legitimately I wanted to do. And so I don't know, it's like, those are more again, extreme cases, but it's your job as the person to figure out where your value is and to create that for the other person. 100%. And I wanted to just ask that because there's so often that we hear create value, create value, but it's what is that value? And e- even me, I was like, I-, I thought you were super interesting. I'm like, he's got a podcast. He wants to be more known. Let's see what we can do for here. Like, come on the podcast. I'd love to have you on. Um, but I, yeah, just now we're in to- each other's worlds, right? Where we wouldn't have been otherwise. Like, if you'd have hit me up for almost anything else, I probably would have said no, like just being honest, right? But it was like, uh, I'm trying to get my message out. I want to be on, you know, different podcasts. And so I usually, and because I'm a podcaster, I can appreciate people trying to get good guests. And so, you know, I usually say yes if people ask me if it's a real podcast and they're putting real effort in, then I usually say yes. 100%. And when you really think about it, it creates such a, a value exchange because it's literally one hour of time. We I'm doing it over Zoom so he doesn't have to travel anywhere. You make it the ease of use where it's not these type of really difficult things and it's something that he actually wants. Um, yeah. I just say that because uh, we've hear so often where it's like, oh, like provide them value. Like he wouldn't want to go golfing because that's four and a half hours that he can't get back. <laughs> Right, And it's like, he doesn't enjoy that. So it's just understanding the, the clients and who you're with. The The next thing I want to hop into, I, I really appreciate that little part about the networking because it, it is very valuable. And this can happen with anyone at any level too. Sure. So like, like Jimmy's saying, he's like, you can find someone in your local community. They're a lot more accessible. Um, the other thing I found interesting about you is that most realtors just sell homes you actually invest in homes, invest in businesses, invest in restaurants. Where did that, how did that become possible? Yeah. I mean, well, in 2005, six, seven, I started investing in real estate, but I did it the wrong way. I didn't really know. It wasn't like it is now where you have, you know, podcasts and, you know, courses like mine and things where people taught you the right way to invest in real estate. And so I was making a lot of mistakes, buying stuff that didn't cash flow, and kind of lost my ass a little bit. And so as I started these last several years, we were working with a lot of investors. I said, dude, I want to kind of create a way to do this for people that are, you know, so that they can, they don't have to 
go through what I did, essentially be the person I needed when I was younger. So we started doing a lot of investing stuff. Well, I mean, for me as a realtor, it's pretty obvious. Like I know how to, I had know where all the best deals are. I know how to buy the best properties. Like, why would I not invest my own money in real estate? And, you know, if, especially when I'm teaching other people how to do this, I mean, between me and my partner, Tyler, we've sold over 7,000 investment homes to people. And so, you know, the first question I would ask any realtor trying to sell me an investment home is, what's your portfolio? And if they're not doing it themselves and they really aren't either, they don't understand it or they don't really have belief in it. And so for me, you know, that's why I started buying a lot of real estate. Um, and also I just learned the right way to do it. And it is the best way to get rich is to buy real estate the right way. And so that's why I started investing a lot in real estate. But then, you know, I, I would invest a lot of other things. Like I did it partially to build my network. Um, you know, you want to get in with somebody, well, invest in their company, invest in their restaurant, invest in their business, whatever. And it was just fun for me. It was just a fun way to, you know, live is to be a part of these different projects. And, and so I've invested in a lot of different things and some of them work and some of them don't, but you know, at the end of the day, it's uh it's a lot of fun to do it. And I have a lot of really cool partners in a lot of businesses now. Yeah. And when you're looking for a partner, how, how do you decide on that? Cause I know you're obviously have high integrity? Like how, how do you choose someone to work with? Well, I don't have any partners, any of my own businesses. So when I'm investing in other people's businesses, I'm looking for competent people. Like who's yeah. who's behind it? What's their history? What's their background? What are the odds this is going to succeed? Because I don't want to be an active partner in most of these investments. And so I'm simply investing in people that are smarter than me and hoping for the best, you know? And so with investing in companies that in the restaurants and stuff, that's what I've kind of done. Um, with all the real estate stuff, I'm the person that, you know, is kind of managing it and running it and finding all the deals. And, and that's the way that I like to do that. So with those partners, I find people that are looking for the opportunity, you know, like, Hey, who wants to partner with me? Um, you know, you're going to put up more of the capital. You're going to put up your credit. I'm going to do all the work, find the best deals, manage it. It's a really good partnership because, uh, those people get, an expert, someone's, you know, spent 20,000 hours in real estate working for them. And so they make good deals. Um, and in return, uh, you know, I get the benefit of, I don't have any room on my credit to buy more of my own homes or to do these things. And so I need those partners to work with. Yeah, absolutely. So are you, when you do that, is that like a single family home? Like you say, someone's interested in working with you guys. Is that a single family home or is that? Yeah, I do a lot of different things. Like I have 14 partners in real estate deals and they're all single family homes. Most of the real estate investing I do, I kind of stick to single family. That's my forte. I do have a couple of multifamily properties, but for the most part, and then I have a couple of commercial buildings, but for the most part, I like to stick to that single family. And as we're heading into 2023, I know it's a wild real estate's up, real estate's down, real estate's all around. What do you think people should do? Yeah. I mean, sales are down 39%. Rates are over 7% now. Um, you know, prices have fallen about 12% since their peak in May of last year. So you just got to be aware of what's going on. So I flip homes. So any house that we buy to flip, we just got to make sure that extra margins in there. So for example, we just got offered a deal the other day fixed up. It's probably worth 400,000. And, you know, they wanted 240 for it, which a year ago I'd have been like, oh my gosh, hell yeah, we're all over it. You know, like, what do I got to do to get it? Yeah. Um, and this year I went and looked at it and we came back. We said, we'll buy it for two. I'm like, well, we need 240. I said, all right, well, we don't want it then. And they came back. They said, okay, we'll do two. And so we're just building in that extra margin to protect ourselves. And so we'll end up making over a hundred grand on that deal probably. 
And so there's still, there's going to be more opportunities than ever right now. There, it's yeah. been really hard to find those good opportunities in the last few years, you know, cause the market was just bailing everybody out, but now people are going to be hurting. There's going to be a lot of opportunity. And so the number one thing I tell people is, is you've got to learn, like get really good at understanding these markets and how you can take advantage of them. Um, and then, you know, just buy, make sure you make your money when you buy and just be very smart. I still think our market's probably going to drop five to 10%, um, uh, nationwide. Um, I'd be surprised if it doesn't, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you factor that in, you build that in, buy the houses the right way, buy it with cash flow, things like that, then you don't have to worry about it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, from my perspective, so I just turned 27. I have a ton of friends who are like, should I buy my first home? Should I not buy my first home? Is it too expensive? Will I live there forever? What do I do? Um, I'm just curious from your perspective, what do you, yeah, if you get the right deal, I mean, you know, rates being as high as they are, it changes the affordability rate for everybody. And so, I mean, if it's cheaper where you live to buy than it is to rent, then it might not be a bad time to buy. But if it's cheaper to rent, well, if prices are going down, I'm telling a lot of people, maybe sit it out for six months, you know, let's see what happens over the next six to 12 months. But a lot of times you can get a deal right now and it makes it worth still doing. Like I have one buddy that just bought a house. I mean, it would have been a million seven a year ago. We got it for like a million two five. So it was like, even though, you know, the rate isn't the best right now, it made sense to buy it because you got such a good deal on it. But you can always refinance if it drops down, right? If it drops. Yeah. And if it goes up, you'll be glad you're so, I mean, it's, but it's tough. I mean, there's not a good reason to buy homes right now. In most markets, there's, um, you know, it's, I mean, either the rate or the price was the reason to buy and neither of those is really the case right now. So it's just, you got to be more careful than before. I'm definitely telling people, you know, don't overextend yourself, make sure that you can live with the worst case scenario. If it's an investment property, it damn well better be a really good one. Um, otherwise just sit it out for a little bit and be patient. Yeah. I appreciate that perspective. Um, Jimmy, you are, as they said, the most interesting man in real estate. Um, you got your travel, you have the, you have the, we are the, they movement, you have real estate, you got, you got so much going on. How, how do you manage it all? You know what, man, it's pretty simple. I have really great people around me. I really do have the best people around me. Um, I have amazing, um, you know, the guy that runs my real estate investing stuff, Tyler is just a wizard. Um, Chris that runs my real estate team is, is the best in the business. Um, my partners in the, we are the, they are just incredible. And, and so I have great people around me and then, you know, my job's to make a mess, just moving a lot of pieces and then they take care of the back end of on everything. And so I think honestly, I think the key is just surround yourself with great people. Incredible. And where can people find you? Where can they find the, we are the, they, where can they learn more about you? Yeah. So the best place for me is just go to my website, which is, or sorry, go to my Instagram, which is Mr. Jimmy Rex. Um, that's the best place to find me. And again, I post everything through there. And so just add me on Instagram and, and feel free to reach out. If you have any questions I can answer, I, I try to respond to everybody, but um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm very easy to, I always want to help people out. So Mr. Jimmy Rex on Instagram. Absolutely. I'll throw that in the show notes. Thanks, Jimmy. All right, my man. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast for that. We'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.